welcome into the 20th and Blake podcast here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. I hope you're doing well out there. And, you know, if you are, let me know how, because it has been, uh, you know, it's, it, we're living in the dark times in, in a lot of different ways, right? And here in the scope of what this podcast is about, we are on the 11th hour of almost assuredly a missed, quite frankly, arbitrary deadline that the Major League Baseball owners set up where if we don't reach a deal uh, within, by now, just a few hours from me recording this, then we will miss baseball games. We will not have a full baseball season in this, the year 2022. Why? Well, that's a really complicated question, isn't it? And we've had a lot of conversations about this, and sadly, I fear we will continue to need to have more. And as I look ahead, I think I want to try to have a few guests on this week that can really help us parse out what's going on here, because as I was thinking about it, like, even where to begin. So, one of my favorite quotes from fiction comes from Alice in Wonderland, right? Start at the beginning, and when you come to the end, stop. The problem with (laughs) that in this particular case is that the beginning of what's going on right now could reach back. Like, I've been framing it for a while that this really goes back to the 2020 season, and what's happening right now is retribution on the part of the owners for the players and some fan pressure that they feel forced them into playing a non-profitable season. And remember, they would say they lost money, right? And there's some numbers that have come out that have suggested that teams maybe even did lose money. Now, they gained it all back the very next year in terms of overall profits. And we know from year to year, these guys make so much money that one year where you're not profitable really is something that they can handle but they can handle it financially. Whether or not they could handle it, you know, emotionally appears to be a different thing altogether. And so while I think that, that is still really, quite frankly, the issue at the heart of this, it, it explains why the owners haven't moved at all on anything. I, I don't know how closely everyone has been following the negotiations and the back and forths, but essentially the players have come back with several, essentially at the very beginning of this lockout, the players made it clear that there were certain things that they believed would make the game a lot better. And since it was time to negotiate a CBA, why don't we consider all of these ideas? And one of the things that both sides seem to be in agreement on, and to some degree still are, but not over the exact number of expanded postseason teams. So that was a thing, right? But obviously the players are going to say, hey, we think we're overall due a raise, but we also think maybe players should be able to get to arbitration sooner. Maybe a higher percentage of players should be eligible for certain financial benefits or this, that, or the other. They essentially went on the line. And, you know, we, we feel like we should be able to take better care of minor league players in this way. There's all this stuff on the table. And over the last couple of weeks and months, they've basically just dwindled it down and, and, and gotten rid of more and more stuff and lowered the percentages, and the owners still won't budge. Like, they've done nothing. They, they, they've made no 
actual movement toward the players on any of these things. And so, why? Why have they not been scheduling meetings? Why did they wait until the week before this deadline that they themselves set to do this thing that they themselves don't necessarily have to enforce? Like, they could absolutely negotiate a CBA that produces a 162-game season in 2022. I'm of a bunch of strange philosophical minds about that particular problem because generally speaking, I actually do think the season should be shorter. And so, like, if we were to end up with a 133-game season or whatever, I don't know, I totally pulled that number out of my ass, but if that's what we end up with, fine, you know, whatever, as far as as the product goes and, and all of that and the competitive, like, legitimacy of the competition, fine. But... Obviously, we know that missed games hurts everybody. It's going to hurt the players more than it's going to hurt the owners. Those missed paychecks are going to hurt them. And I fear that was kind of always the goal. Because the players had to get paid for the games that they played in 2020. But the owners felt like that was unfair because they couldn't have fans at the ballpark. And therefore couldn't make any money off of it or enough money off of it because they still had TV deals and radio and all these other. But anyway, so it's going to hurt the players and it's going to hurt the fans and it's barely going to hurt the owners because they're sitting on mountains of money anyway. And if they still get to have an expanded postseason, they're going to be able to recoup almost all of that or more even on the back end. And that's one of the reasons why that has become kind of a sticking point for the players to stick to a 12 team postseason as opposed to a 14 team postseason. And again, I don't like, I could go back and forth on the pros and cons between either of those. What's super frustrating is that I just don't think that ultimately it's about that. I, I really like, I saw somebody state this, and I think it was maybe even Walker Bueller on his Instagram or, or his Twitter. I saw it on Twitter. But, you know, and, and I, I've said it like this several times. It says this isn't a fight about millionaires and billionaires. It's a fight about whether or not your boss just gets to tell you what to do no matter what. You know, how much money do you have to make before you give up your rights to be paid fairly and to be treated fairly and to... You know, and even to have a say in the growth of the business. Here's the other thing that I don't think I've said before, and I want to make sure that I get to before diving back into some of the specifics of the issue, which is that the players are fighting for the fans right now. That That's one of the reasons I think why I struggle so much with this false dichotomy that it's these two people or these two parties can't get together and the people missing out are the fans. I challenge that notion because... Essentially, what has happened here is that the owners have so dug in their heels that the players are now in a position where on Saturday, they offered up a deal that in my mind was way too weak. In, in, and and I'm, not, I'm not even like taking a shot at the players or the players union for doing what they did, for offering up what they did. In my estimation, though... That was too much of a cave. Like, they caved on a lot. 
But they clearly did it because of this deadline. Because they don't want to be held accountable by the fans for taking baseball away from them. And they know that no matter what they do, no matter how many times the players argue in good faith, no matter how many times they reevaluate and resubmit their offer, no matter how many times they actually bargain down their position of what they want to try to give the owner something of what they want, but still say, hey, we need to be represented in this CBA as well. And it's just fallen on deaf ears and been met with no meetings, arbitrary deadlines, threats to not play games, to take away their paychecks, to continue to just have them locked out. And so the players want the game to be better, yes, to some extent for themselves, but what they are arguing for creates more parity, creates more interest in the game, makes it so that it's viable for multiple cities throughout the country and not just New York, Chicago, and L.A. to be regularly in the postseason and competitive and for it to make sense, for, for it to be incentivized for those teams to try to build and try to be good as opposed to the current system that incentivizes teams sometimes to lose on purpose for the better part of a decade in the promise that maybe one day they'll be good. This is not good for baseball. The players as competitors recognize that it's not good for baseball. And I think there's a lot of fans out there who know it too. Deep down inside, you know it. As much as you want baseball back, it has to grow and it has to be better. And what, in my mind, was the final offer on the table that the owners apparently saw as still a non-starter, that didn't move the game forward that much. There would have been some nice changes in there. A few standout young players are going to get paid, only a handful of them. You know, otherwise, everybody else who's young and good is going to continue to get taken advantage of. You know, there there was going to be a little bit more parity, but just because of more postseason spots, not because of sort of more fundamental structure that would incentivize teams to always be trying to build and grow their franchise instead of incentivizing these long stretches of losing on purpose. And so... The players are fighting for the betterment of the game, for you, the fan, for you, the Rocky fan, who is sick and tired of your team being caught in the middle. For you, the if no one, everyone listening to this is a Rocky fan, almost certainly, but for the Reds fans and the Mariners fans and the Orioles fans and the Royals fans and all of these teams out there who get caught up in the nonsensical economy of baseball that the owners don't care that it's screwed up because, and, and this is you know kind of at the driving force, and a lot of people have talked about this, for most of them, it's just an investment. It's just a real estate deal. It's not about for love of the game, right? And this is really, really what's coming to a head here. They're trying to break the union. That's why they're not accepting any of the offers. And... It's gross, and that's why I came to the conclusion late Saturday night after seeing some people report about it that the players are considering just walking away from the table. They should. If the owners won't take that last offer that was given up, and and to get all the details, again, a few other points that I want to get to here. You know, I'm sure you can find them. I'm sure you've read them by now from um, 
Passan, Jeff Passan, uh, John Heyman, all the people that are doing fantastic reporting on this, Dan Zimborski, uh, these people across the board. But essentially, they have to walk away. They can't just let the owners strong arm them into getting exactly what they want and everyone else losing. That is, and I know fans think they win if they get baseball back. No, we win though, because the baseball season happens. But what it means is less protection for you as a fan, more of your money going directly into the pockets of some of the wealthiest people on the planet who don't have an interest in growing the game or sustaining the game or taking care of people who play the game, especially at the minor league levels, and who don't care about providing an accessible, enjoyable experience for you, the fan, that these people should get everything that they want just because some folks out there don't care about ballplayers because they make too much money is just extraordinarily frustrating. And so back to a point I was making, I think like a half hour ago, (laughs) about where did this all begin? And it wasn't in 2020. That was just a big markation point. It's kind of like, you know, if you're having a, a fight with a longtime friend or maybe a spouse or something, and you're arguing about something, but you're really having an argument you've been having for 10 years, that's what's going on here. This has been, and I will agree with uh, Dan Zimborski from, from Fangraphs, and a fellow Final Fantasy fan, by the way. I hope to have him on before too long. And he was basically making the point that we are where we are, at least in part, also because of what previous players' unions have given away for not being willing to walk away from the table, for not standing up and saying, no, you can't just continue to take and take and take and make the game worse and make the game less about baseball and more about your own personal profits. There are so many ways in which the game ought to be better than it is. Everything from the way you watch it, the way you're even allowed to or able to watch it, to the length of the games, to how the players are taken care of, especially the minor leaguers, all of these things, the facilities and and beyond. But the owners have shown over and over again an unwillingness to, if I may, play ball. And so, unless something drastic changes between now and, you know, five, six, seven hours from now when this gets real, real, the players have to walk away. And I know there are some people out there who just don't want to hear that. And that is that is the line of demarcation in the sand, right? If they miss games they'll lose fans and some people will never ever come back. And I think that that fear exists inside the minds of the players and it's made them cave over and over and over again. And what it has led to is a league where there's umpires threaten people on Twitter. Nothing happens. The Astros can brazenly cheat. Nothing happens. There is numerous accounts of sexism and racism inside of front offices. 
nothing really happens? I have written and said on several occasions that Rob Manfred's tenure as commissioner has been absolutely defined by scandal. And now this, from the health of the game of baseball perspective, is by far the biggest one. In my mind, those other things are worse. Like, being weak on sexism in your game is just, well, it's weak. That's what it is. It's weakness. And there's a lot of that going on. But the owners hold all the cards. And the only way it seems that they're going to get the message is for games to be missed and fans to make it clear who they're angry at and why. For people to... And I hate to say that I have never, ever in my life covering this game or even just as a fan... This will be my 10th year covering baseball, you know, if there is baseball. I've never said this before, and I don't believe that it's my responsibility or my job or really any of my business to tell other people what to do with their money, and it's not. So what I am doing here is essentially saying to you, if your goal is to send the message that you are pissed at the owners and you're with the players... It's time to start canceling subscriptions to think again, wait for the deadline to pass. If you're hardcore and you're listening to this uh, before it's been made official, but everything from MLB TV, the MLB app season tickets. Look, I know that's hard. And again, I'm not telling anyone what to do. I'm just saying if, if these, if enough of that happens, the owners will start to get the message. And it's a tough thing because how do you support the players? How do you want, if they, if the games come back, let's say we miss a month and the games come back. How do you support the players without supporting the owners? You know, do you watch on TV from home still? If it's part of your TV package that you're paying for anyway, sure, that's, you know, Watch on TV still, keep up with the game. But again, you know, when people were going on about boycotting the Rockies for trading Nolan Arenado, that kind of stuff happens in sports all the time. I know it doesn't make it hurt any less for me to say that it's common, but it is. Not understanding how to win sucks. It really sucks. But it is not in the same universe as the kind of nonsense that the owners are pulling off right now. And so, a boycott, to whatever extent, once given the opportunity, again, I'm going to still go to games and stuff, because, well, they let me in. Uh, <laughs> you know, and and I'll be reporting here. You know, follow through your favorite podcasts and, and writers on Twitter. And in articles and in podcasts and and on YouTube and all of that kind of stuff. But especially if you can't even bring yourself to watch the games. You know, I'll be here all year to do my best to describe them to you. If that's what you want to hear, at least give you the highlights and lowlights, presumably. But this is bad. The owners have botched this 
from every angle. And the reason is because they thought they could just get away with it. They know they have all the leverage. I think what they don't realize is that at some point it will start to affect them too. I don't think they thought the players would hold out this long because in the past they've just caved. And and they, because they didn't want to be held responsible for there being no games. I've seen it a lot on Twitter and in other places. I've seen people on the radio saying there's essentially no difference between a lockout and a strike. Yes, there is. One is initiated by the owners, the other initiated by the players. The owners have locked the players out. The players have made multiple offers in good faith to such an extent that I believe they've honestly offered in too good a faith too far to what the owners want that I was a little bit disappointed in the player's final offer and the owners still rejected it because I don't think it's about the health of the game. I don't think it's about what you, I know it's not about what's fair. It's about the owners reminding everybody that they're in charge, that they say what goes and that they didn't appreciate the way they were shamed into playing a season in 2020. And for them, those kinds of lost profits are just unimaginable, despite the fact that they've all recouped them since. But that's the weird fantasy land that they live in as, as uber-wealthy people. So the players have to draw a line in the sand. They have to say, no, you can't just push us around. No, you can't just do whatever you want. And yeah, some people aren't going to look at the details, and they're going to be upset with us, and they're going to be out. But I do believe that they will win the PR war and that ultimately it will make the game better. They will force these owners into a modern game because baseball hasn't modernized in since 1994. And again, it took a player strike to do it. And so it it really sucks that this is what has to happen. It really, really does. Because these guys can afford it. You know, I had, a, I had a dear friend, a very, very dear friend, one of my best friends, coming to my wedding, you know, just really good friend of mine today, say, you know, maybe some of these players who make a ton of money, you know, like Max Scherzer or whatever, like maybe some of those guys could offer to give up a little bit so that it takes care of these minor leaguers or whatever. And I get that that kind of makes sense, right? Because it is, when you look at the percentage of the pie that just the players are getting, and an extreme percentage of it goes to like the top 30 guys in Major League Baseball, and then everybody else is fighting for like this tiny sliver, right? But, like again, like I I understand the the desire in a negotiation, in a debate, in an argument, whatever, to say the two sides have to come together. There has to be a middle ground here, right? But I do not believe that the players at the top who've earned what they have, a guy like Max Scherzer, who's absolutely earned his contract on the fair market, should have to give up any of what he's earned to help out the minor leaguers when the owner's have the money and just aren't doing it. They shouldn't be squeezing us for the extra funds, right? That's 
like when you pay a massive HOA fee and then they charge you a bunch of tiny little fees on top of that for like random cleanings around your house or whatever, right? No one wants that. Everybody hates that. <laughs> and that's what's going on here. So I'm I'm sure you can hear it in my voice. I'm very disappointed, even though I was quite certain this was going to happen. You even got guys like Ken Rosenthal writing. What was, what was his headline? Let's see if I can find it. Rob Manfred on course to fulfill his own doomsday prophecy for baseball. I mean, my goodness. So yeah, cancel auto renew on your MLB.tv account. Uh, If you've got the app. Any message you can send and make it clear on social media, uh, on wherever else. If you have to call in, if you're canceling, whatever you're canceling, make it clear why. And, and who you're angry with. Because, again, I know it's tempting to say the two sides have to come together. They need to meet in the middle. Well, the players went past the middle a long time ago. The owners haven't budged from a position that essentially says, we get everything and we don't care, literally, About the health of the game. We are willing to cancel games. And make no mistake, they're the ones canceling games. Players don't have the power to cancel baseball games right now. The owners are canceling games. And you say, well, if the players would just do what the owners asked, then we would have... That's not a negotiation. That's not a debate. That's a shakedown. That's proverbial gun-to-your-head stuff. No. All the players can do at this point is say, that was our final offer. We are walking away from the table. And we believe, and there have been enough people reporting on this, and even though I do see some people, for whatever reason, carrying water for the owner's Sometimes I see like John Heyman and Jim Bowden out there, Bowden doing their thing, and I get very frustrated with it. But I do. It it also seems very clear to me that that's in the minority. I think a lot more people are a lot better educated now than they ever were before. Certainly than we were in the '90s and the last couple of times the CBA has come up again. That to to reject that false notion that this is just a fight about money and rich people versus wealthy people and not about the very idea of labor in this country and not having to work for a boss or a series of bosses who can just take advantage of you in every way they see fit. I just don't know at what dollar figure you give up your right to fair labor practices. I don't believe there's any dollar figure at which any person gives up their right to fair labor practices. And so I've done my best, I guess at this point to say why, you know, I hope fans again, it's, it's weird, right? I'm I'm telling you two things. I'm saying cancel all your stuff, but I also don't want fans to leave the game. I wish it was like professional wrestling. You know, I wish we could just uh, establish like the AEW of just some people are like, what is he talking about? 
uh, you know, the old school, just another company, you know, just like just a, a competitor. In fact, in the old, olden days of baseball, that's how it was. That's, you know, the National League and the American League were literally separate entities run by different commissioners. You know, if we had a new commissioner set up a new league and you could play in all of these cities, because that's the only thing that the owners have is the infrastructure. That's it. That's all they do is provide an infrastructure. And I saw somebody else tweet about it, but I'm going to steal their thought. I'm going to see if I can find the guy because it, it wasn't even like I looked. It, it was a tweet that was doing pretty well, but it wasn't um, it, it wasn't like a big reporter or anything. I'll see if I can find the guy because he, he said it. Basically, the idea, Eric Dadman, right, that the MLB owners inherited their fortunes. Some of them, you know, even got it through some nefarious means that he, that he talks about on here. But every single one of the players earned their spot at the table. And that, to me, is another one of the reasons why this is so fundamentally frustrating. Because you do not get to be a professional baseball player. I'll tell you one of the hardest things about my job that I've done over the last 10 years. It's not responding to trolls online, and it's not deadlines, and it's not writer's block and it's not how do you cover a team that's so ridiculously ridiculous all of the time although a lot of those things can be challenges the hardest thing I've done in this job has been when I was covering the minor leagues a lot more and I would see guys get cut and basically know that was it their baseball dream was over, right? And some of these guys could throw 96, 97 mile an hour fastballs, you know, have some pretty wicked curve movement, but no location. Flattens out the wrong way. Whatever it is, there are extraordinarily talented people that I have seen get told at 24, 25 years old, that's it. You're done. There's no more spot for you in the organization and probably not anywhere else. And maybe not now at this point anymore in this country. You know what I mean? But to even get there, to compete in places like Grand Junction and Boise and Modesto and Tulsa, Oklahoma City and Albuquerque. You have to be so freaking good. The best athlete that I've ever known from like my age group, this guy I went to school with, his name is Kyle Rowling. And if you if that name sounds kind of familiar to you as a Rockies fan, then you really followed prospects around 2006 to 2009. Because he was a Rockies minor league prospect for a little while there. Guy was great at football and baseball and went to ASU. All this amazing stuff, right? Crazy good stats, doing things, was tearing up the early leagues. The minors got to double A, hit a wall. And and after a few years in double A, even started to put up some pretty great numbers. But by 27, 28 years old, he was still kind of hanging out in double A. Maybe he was going to go to triple A the next year. Maybe he'd finally get that shot. It was just too much. 
And I, I, I didn't know Kyle well. I never actually caught up with him. This was all before I ever started covering baseball. You know, he was just somebody I went to high school with, and so I followed a little closely, and it's just that he got to double A is incredible. And it's really too bad that probably one of the factors, again, I don't know, was that you can't make a living as a double A baseball player. You just can't. You can't live on that. It's harsh on individuals and families. And it really shouldn't be that way considering the people that own them make hundreds of millions of dollars in profit every year. I saw a stat the other day. It said basically $6 million a game. And you can't take care of these people. And I understand, you know, sometimes people get cut. Sometimes you're told that's the end of it. But the players have earned what they make. Max Scherzer has earned what he makes. How? By being one of the greatest pitchers in the history of baseball. By excelling at his craft. By being 50% insane person. And truly being one of the greatest of all time. And so he has earned in his career about $370 million. Which, whoo boy, that can buy you some tacos. But another way to think of it is that it's 37% of a billion dollars. What his boss has just locked up in one asset, the baseball team that he owns. The question is, do they own the teams? Do they own the infrastructure? Or do they own all of us? Do they own the players? Do they own the fans? Do they own the game? And I say no. No, You own the infrastructure. If we could create another league, we would. And maybe one day, someone will threaten to do that. And that someone will probably be Vince McMahon. All right. (laughs) I'm going to wrap this one up for now because, like I said, I think we're going to get into the nitty-gritty details here in the next week. This deadline is almost certainly going to fly by. People are going to be angry. People are going to want answers. And they're going to need them from people that are smarter than me. And so I intend to have some of those people on the show in the coming days and weeks dive deeper into this. I promise you I'm going to do step backs, though, and still talk about Rockies baseball or history of baseball, fun things. I'm going to take some time because, again, I I think we've got to find a way to separate out mad at Major League Baseball and doling our love of the game. And I will never be able to dull my love of the game of baseball and my appreciation for the people that play it at the highest level. And so I'll be right there with all of you trying to work through how we do that together. Thank you all for listening into this episode on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. Make sure you're checking out all the other shows on the network. You're reading all the written content at milehighsports.com. You're hanging out with me on Twitter at Drew Creaseman. And otherwise, just trying to find some ways to have some fun with the game of baseball. I know it can be tough right now, but find a way to do it. And if you do, let me know how you did it. 
keep being absolutely awesome out there. I'll keep being absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.